Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. So I'm feeling a couple of raindrops. Anyone else? All right. So we're going to preach really quick. In Jesus' name, amen. We are done. Let's dunk them. So I'm going to do my best to preach quickly. As you see here, what do I have? I have a prop. Yes, I have a prop. I have a tube. How many of you have ever gone tubing behind a boat before? Anyone? Anyone? Really? You guys really aren't that fun. How many of you guys have gone tubing behind a boat before? Jared, have you gone tubing behind a boat? Yes. Tell me that you went. Yes. Great. Sue, have you gone? Yes. And you almost drowned, right? (laughs) So when I was younger, I grew up playing on Greenwood Lake. Anyone play on Greenwood Lake before? We had a boat. That's what we did every single Thursday night, Friday night. Saturday was rough because Greenwood Lake gets too full, but we were back there on Sundays. And what we used to do is we used to have tube wars. We used to set up two or three tubes behind the boat, and you would put two people per tube, and you would just have tube wars where you would try to jump from one tube to another to another, and the team that stayed on the longest, they won. No prize, just pride. That was the only prize that you gained was pride. And it was a blast. I love when I've been able to take my kids tubing and the fun we get to have. And the driver has one responsibility. What's the driver's responsibility? Throw them off. Throw them off. You are a great driver if you can throw people off the tube. If they don't go off the tube, you are not a good driver. You are a safe driver. And that's for another conversation. So... Why am I bringing this up? Because oftentimes, when we think about the word wake, we think about a negative response someone or an organization has on people, right? They've left a wake of disaster. But I know this, that if the boat didn't make a wake, we wouldn't have had a blast. And I really think that when we look at life, and we look at situations, for some people, it's a disaster. And for others, it creates the greatest response they've ever, ever had. And so as we wrap up our sermon series on revival, I want us to take the word wake, and I want to see how the gospel can be like going for a ride on a tube. It can be a blast, and it can actually invite others to be a part of what God is doing. Because I remember this, when it was time for tube wars, everyone on the dock wanted to jump in and play. And our goal is this year, that each one of you would wanna jump in and play and be part of what God is doing through the power of the gospel. Amen? Amen, let's pray. Jesus, I ask you for speed and clarity. I ask you that as we look at this passage, that we would be able to wrap up the series in a very profound way. And not only wrap up the series, but today we get to celebrate another life who wants to be baptized. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. All summer long, we started in the Old Testament, and we looked at revival in the Old Testament. And in August, we've been studying revival in the New Testament. 
And the best way to look at revival in the New Testament is to look at Acts. It says here in Acts chapter 4, What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they've performed a miraculous sign. And everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda, if you want to underline any words, it's a good word to underline, spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. We must, we must warn them not to speak in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. If you have a Bible, that's what you want to also underline, in the name of Jesus. Twice, the religious leaders point this out. So let me give you a little background, a little quick background here. It is the very beginning of the move of the gospel. And all of a sudden, people are coming to Christ like wildfire. It's so unbelievable that everything that Jesus had told the disciples that would happen was happening right in Jerusalem. The same place that they crucified him. The same place that he was resurrected from the dead. The same place that they gathered to meet that the power of God would fall. And what had happened was there was a lame man who was paralyzed, who the power of God fell on so hard that he started walking. Now, think about this. If you knew anyone in our church that was paralyzed, and one day in a wheelchair, and the next day he's walking around, coming in the church and being a connector and setting up coffee ministries and all these different things, you'd be like, it's real. Amen? Right? It's one of the reasons why we need to pray for the power of God to manifest in our community. And what had happened was the religious leaders were so frustrated that what they thought they put to death, Jesus, was more alive than ever before. That which they thought they put to death, the way of God, was more alive than ever before. And so they pulled Peter and John in, and they had said, no more. No more preaching in Jesus' name. We don't care how religious you are, but there's one name you cannot use. Jesus' name. Because in the name of Jesus, that's how the lame were walking. In the name of Jesus, that's how lives were being transformed. And there was a secret to the revival that these religious leaders knew that was causing a wake of frustration for them. And here's the secret. It says here, but Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop talking about everything we have seen and heard. In other words, the secret to revival was this. They knew that these disciples met with Jesus. They knew that because they had met with Jesus, that Jesus transitioned his power from him to them, and now they were giving it to everyone else. And the religious leaders knew one thing. There's only one secret to life transformation. And there's only one secret to revival. And that's meeting with Jesus. We see this all throughout the Gospels. We see this with the woman at the well. We see this with Zacchaeus. We see this with a paralyzed man. We see it with a man born blind. We see it with a man for, 
from Gerasene. So many people had met with Jesus. And everybody who met with Jesus had a life transformation. So here's a question that we need to ask ourselves. If we're not having a life transformation, have we actually met with Jesus? Have we really had an encounter with the living, breathing God? Because even though Jesus is not physically with us like he was with the disciples, Jesus gathered the disciples and he breathed on them. Now, during a season of COVID, we would not want anyone breathing on us. Amen? Right? Even if it was a season of COVID, would we want Jesus to breathe on us? I don't know. Probably half and half in this room. Let's be honest. But it was in this that what had happened was, after they had met with Jesus, Jesus gave the disciples the very same spirits that lived in him, that breathed in him, that moved in him to everyone they touched. And so when we breathe and we talk about Jesus, we are allowing the same Holy Spirit that was with the disciples to be with other people. And the religious leaders knew this, that the way that the gospel spreads is by spreading the transformational work of Christ with others. That's it. I think we got this all skewed. We, we, we have a saying here at the plant. We've had it for years. We gather to scatter. We want to know Christ so we can make him known. I, I think we've had this lie that let's just get them to church and, and let Pastor Rob preach to them and let, let him teach them. No, what people want to experience and what people want to see is the life-transforming power of Christ in you. In you. How he's rescued you. How he's redeemed you. How he's transformed you. How he has healed you emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and maybe even physically. Because what was taking place in the early church is that all these things that I'm mentioning right now the people of Jerusalem were watching. The lame man, the broken marriage, the person who was always on the outskirts. Life transformation was taking place. And for the religious leaders, they knew that they were either going to not be able to stop this or it was going to cause a wake of a spiritual mess for them. Because remember this, they were the ones who were supposed to recognize Jesus. They were the ones that were supposed to see the Messiah, Yeshua. They were the ones that were supposed to say, that's him. And yet, they did not, except for a few of them. And plant family, there's one secret to revival. And one secret to revival only. It's not going to church more. It's not singing louder. It's not even giving financially. The secret to revival is meeting with the living God that's found in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's what we see. If you ever want to see if a church is going through revival, 
If you ever want to see if, if someone is going through revival in their life, and what I love about the baptism today, the person being baptized today was, was baptized years and years and years ago, many moons ago, because he's older. But it's in this, it's in this, that over the last two years, God has done a revival. And this summer, I believe, Joel, it was when Jeremy preached the first week in, in last week in June, the first series of the message, where he realized it's time for revival to really start in my life. And he's someone on our board. So if you want to ask if God is doing something in our church, even our board members are, are having personal revivals in their life. Amen? Amen. How awesome is that? Yeah. I want to be able to be part of a church where even the leaders say, you know what? I need to run harder. I want to run faster. But I only want to do this how I know the living God. So what are the signs of revival? Salvation. People who were once far from God are coming to Christ for the first time. What's another sign? Sanctification. That people are being rejuvenated. Where people are being reconciled. And where people are repenting. You see, we don't like talking about the word repenting. We don't like to be told that, that we do things wrong or, or we're broken or we've messed up. But I'll be honest with you, I found Christ in my brokenness. And that's where we get to see the, the true power, the true reality of who Jesus is. Sanctification is this onward work of recon reconciling ourselves to God. Sanctification is an onward work of, of being rejuvenated on a regular basis. Sanctification is that when the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit steps into your heart, maybe you did something, said something that, that was irresponsible or uncalled for. You're like, wait a second, that was wrong. That's the work of the Holy Spirit because you've met with Jesus. You see, what does revival look like? Revival looks like healing. Revival looks like people are having healing in their life. Spiritual healing. Anyone have any spiritual wounds? Emotional healing. Relational healing. Maybe even financial healing. Maybe you had to confess about how poor you've been a steward with your money and God says, it's time to get your finances right. Or maybe out of nowhere, you had people praying for you. You had an illness. You had a sickness. You had something. And the presence of God falls so hard on you that you are physically healed. Those are healings that spark revival. But then what about eternity? I think the one thing that I've seen that revival is, is soon to come. Because people are getting excited. Wow. People need to hear the gospel. Wow, Jesus may come back soon. Anyone want Jesus to come back? I do. It has to be better than here. I mean, think about this past week. Think about the last couple weeks. Eternity has to be better than here. But revival means this, that, that eternity is working in my soul. I want other people to have salvation. I want other people to find restoration. I want other people to find repentance. I want other people to be rejuvenated in the Holy Spirit. I want other people to have healing other people to have healing. Eternity in the soul. Eternity. That's revival. 
You know why Peter and John and all the disciples were going so wildfire crazy? Because they actually believed Jesus was coming back. Do we even believe that he's coming back? Do we even believe in an eternity? Do we even believe in a paradise? Do we even believe that there's a hell and that those who don't know Jesus, that's where they're going? Wait a second, Rob, we're outside, you shouldn't say that. No, I probably need to say that outside. There are signs of revival. And then lastly, as the rain starts dropping, I've never preached this fast in my life. I want to talk about the scope of revival. Here's what happens, and Joel, you start coming up here because we're going to dunk you. Come on up here. The scope of the revival looks like this. That there's a fullness of the Holy Spirit working in your life. That you have a freedom that you are no longer controlled by sin or death. And that you want to be in fellowship with Jesus. So I am going to dunk Joel now before we all get rebaptized. But here's my challenge to you. Here's my challenge to you this Labor Day weekend. This Labor Day weekend. Are you willing, are you willing to plunge into what God wants to do next in your life? Amen? Amen. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.